Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. It is really, really good to be here at One Cause Church. It has been about seven years since I was here in this building, and it is good to be back. I didn't get to speak last time. I was just here as a guest, so it is cool to be here to share the word with you. I do bring you greetings from New Mexico. That is not an international term right there. That is the state right next to you. Okay, Um, it's always funny when I travel across the country is someone goes, you know, I'm checking in somewhere. They're like, where are you from? I'm like, New Mexico. They're like, sir, you need to go through international. I'm like, no, we are right next to Texas. We are between Texas and Arizona. We are the fifth largest state in the country. And they're like, what did you give us? Uh, We gave you green chili. You're welcome. We gave you the nuclear bomb. I guess you're welcome. World War II, yay. And we gave you Breaking Bad, Walter White, straight out of Albuquerque. For those of you who are like, um, I don't watch that. We're in church. You lie about other things. Yes, you do. You binge watch that stuff. You know you do. Be lying up in here. It's good to be in church. I love being in church. I grew up in church, and I believe in the power of the local church. I really do. I attend church myself where I'm from. Uh, They're actually having three services right now, and then they have one on Monday nights. And so I believe in the local church. When I'm not traveling or working, I am in church. I do believe in it. So if you brought your Bibles with you or you have your Bible app, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open it up to the book of Genesis. If you don't know where that is, I made this message super simple. It's the first book of the Bible, okay? So if you'll go to the book of Genesis, I would encourage you to take notes, whether on your phone or you write them, or you can screenshot the notes up there. If you do, feel free to tag me in it. We are, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Let's be friends and let's connect. If you don't like what I post, you suck, and God loves me so much. <laughs> can you say suck in church? If not, we just did. Too late. We can edit that piece out. But before we get into the word, I'm going to ask you to go to Genesis 25. Would you bow with me in a moment of privacy and concentration, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to tell you how amazing you are. Father, we thank you that even when we don't feel it, we know that you are good, and we know that you are for us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made. Father, we thank you for the local church. And Father, over these next few moments as we open up your word, Thank you that you would think through my thoughts, you would speak through my lips to speak exactly what needs to be said in this moment. Father, we thank you that your word is alive and your word has power. We honor you and we thank you for all these things in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The title of my message for today is, Who Are You? With a question mark. Who are you? So if you take notes, I would highly encourage you to take notes. Statistics show you have a higher percentage of going to heaven if you take notes in church. And just know that anytime you give a statistic anywhere in life, if you say it with conviction, people will believe you. So uh, I do have a real statistic for you. Statistics show that we remember 10% of what we hear. 50% of what we hear and write down, and 90% of what we hear, write down, and speak. So you're going to help me preach this message today. You're going to write some stuff down. You're going to hear it, and I believe that God can change your life because his word is alive. Over the course of my 15-year career in business, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of interviews. Do you know what the number one statement and struggle is in this country that people struggle with in interviews? You ready for this? Here's the statement, and it happens at the very beginning. Who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You'll see so many blank stares, so many stutters that start to happen that way. Why? Because as much as we know, it's amazing how much we know little of ourselves. You can ask a question, what are your strengths? They can tear off on that. Tell us about one of your accomplishments. They can tell you that. And then you can always tell when you've got a liar in front of you because they'll say, tell me your greatest weakness. They'll go, oh, I'm just a workaholic, sir. Get out. You lie, and you lie about other things. You are not a workaholic. When 5 o'clock hits, you run out the door, okay? But when the statement of tell us about yourself, and this is a true story. This happened at a place where I work. This individual came in for a position that we had open. He sat down in the hot seat, and little did he know he was going to be interviewed, not in front of one person, but five. Okay, if you're 
Palms weren't sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. Haha, <laughs> Eminem, yes, I know that here in church. I could wrap the whole thing, but some of you might leave. So you could tell he was nervous. So my boss said, why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? So here's the man. He's sitting down. He goes, well, like, uh, like what? Anything at all. Anything at all you'd like to share with us. He goes, <clears throat> so like personally or like professionally? <laughs> boss goes, anything at all. Anything at all that you think would be good for us to know. He goes, <clears throat> And he was clearing his throat like this. It was this awkward feeling then as it feels right now, okay? He goes, <clears throat> I'm a dude. That was it. It was a full statement. I'm a dude. Do you think we hired him? Yes, he's on our team right now. No, I'm just kidding. We did, we did not hire him. But the text that we're going to be covering today, if you grew up in church, went to Sunday school, you may have heard of Jacob and Esau. We're going to delve into their backstory just a little bit. In Genesis chapter 25, Isaac and Rebekah, everyone say Isaac and Rebekah. Here were the parents. They could not have kids. So one day Isaac began to pray to the Lord on behalf of his wife that she could have kids. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 25 verse 21, the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Moral of the story, be careful what you pray for because you just might get it double. But the two struggled within each other in the womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rival. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. If you have children, would you raise your hand in here and wave them at me? Okay, you've got at least one. Okay, keep them up if you've got at least two. If you've got at least three. We need to have a prayer meeting right now for your souls. May God have mercy on you. I don't have kids. I'm not married. I've never been married. I don't have kids. So when I, people tell me that they have big families, I'm like, how? How do you do these things? Okay? And when it came time to give birth, verse 24, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. Get a visual of that, please. That almost doesn't sound human. Coming out of the birth canal. Thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. The name Esau, do you know what it means? Hairy. Seems fitting, right? If it were me naming him, Chewbacca the Wookiee baby. That's who he would have been. I mean, seriously, you see this? Coming out of your wife and you're like, babe, what the heck? He's precious, right? Sure. Then the other twin was born with a hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. I want you to get a visual of this family. Imagine Chewbacca the Wookiee baby being born. Red and hairy. But as he's coming out, you see his little foot, and you see a little hand doing this. It's in the Bible. You can't make this stuff up. This is not sci-fi. This is real. A hand grabbing his heel. So his parents named him Jacob. Do you know what Jacob means? Heel grabber and deceiver. you got to understand that back in the day when a name was assigned, it also became an identity to these people. It's not like today where we have 47 different pronunciations and spellings of crystal. You know, it's like, no, it's K and an I, fool. Don't be misspelling it, okay? And it's like, no, this meant something. And this would come to define this man's life for the better part of his adult life based on what happened. Moral of the story, isn't it a shame that sometimes one act can define you for the rest of your life if you allow it to? One mistake sometimes allows us to define ourselves. And listen, bad choices are not without consequence, but within the frame of grace, they are never beyond redemption. Bad, bad choices are not without consequence, but within the frame of grace, they are never beyond redemption. So understand this. Now these two grow up, and they could be not more polar opposite. Esau grew up to be a woodsman 
an outdoorsman, a hunter, a fisher, a camper. This is a guy that could go spend hours at Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop, and he would be right at home. Lowe's and Home Depot, he knew exactly where to go find stuff. I can work with my hands. He probably looked like the guys from Duck Dynasty. Said he was red and hairy. Imagine a ZZ Top beard just going all the way down. Loved to be outside. Smelled of the outdoors. Jacob said like to stay among the tents. Translation, he was indoor. Xbox, Starbucks, the mall, a massage. I like fresh baked cookies. This is Jacob. You send him into Cabela's. He's like, what? I don't, where do I go? I don't know what to do. They could not be more diametrically opposed. And we all know that parents aren't supposed to have favorites. Parents, if you have children in here, look straight and they will know that we're not talking about you, okay? See, Isaac had a favorite and it was Esau. Rebecca had a favorite and it was Jacob. I identify with one of these very strongly, and you can probably tell it's Esau um, that I identify with. So, obviously, and as they grew up diametrically opposed, mama's boy, daddy's boy. And at this time, in this culture, there was a thing called a birthright. Esau had the birthright because he was born first. That meant that when Isaac passed away, that Esau was to get a double portion of everything that his father had. Let me tell you what that means. If Isaac had three houses, Esau got two, Jacob got one. If Isaac had three horses, Esau got two, Jacob got one. Simply by being born first, he was to get double of the inheritance. So one day, Esau's out doing what outdoors people do. I have no idea, obviously. I have no idea what outdoor people do. So he comes in, and he's hungry, hangry. You all understand what hangry is? You are so hungry that you're angry, and you snap at anyone that's in front of you. How's it going? What? Oh, dear God, here, have a Snickers, right? You're not yourself, okay? Esau is this. He's starving, and there's Jacob cooking up some stew. He took home ec. He did that in high school. He knew how to cook. So Esau says, bro, I'm hungry. He said, that stew smells amazing. Jacob said, yep, I got skills. It does smell good. He said, you need to give me some of that. He's like, yeah, I'll hook you up. He goes, but you got to give me something first. He's like, what? He said, you got to give me your birthright. He said, what good is a birthright to me if I'm dying of starvation? Fine. So he made an oath, made a promise, and he transferred the birthright over to Jacob for a bowl of stew because he was starving and saw something right in front of him. What's the truth and the principle there? How many times do we give up what we want most for what's standing in front of us right now? That you're believing God for the promise, but something immediate comes along and you're like, well, I, mean, I guess I could make this work. Can, can I just make it personal for me? Like I just told you a little bit about myself. I've never been married. I don't have any kids. I have waited this long. I am not about to settle. Do you understand that God has a promise that I'm not just going to settle for the next person that just comes my way? Whatever the promise of God is to you, if God said in six months I will bring it to pass and you think you can make it happen in six weeks, when you take it out of God's hands, you are now responsible for the results instead of him. If he told you to wait and you go make it, try to do it on your own, it's no longer God doing it, it's you doing it. So, the birthright. Now they're a little bit older. Isaac is now 120 years old. His eyesight is leaving him. He's pretty much blind. And we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 27. Let me give you a little bit of backstory before we put it up there. Now he's ready. He says he's sitting down. He calls Esau, Chewbacca, over to him. He said, look, son, my eyesight is leaving me. I know I'm going to die pretty quick. He goes, here's what I want you to do. Go hunting. Get my favorite game. Not board game, but like an animal. And he said, I want you to bring it in. I want you to kill it. I want you to prepare my favorite meal. Bring it in to me so that I can eat. And after I eat, I'm going to put the blessing on you. The blessing was different from the birthright. The birthright had to do with inheritance. The blessing had to do with authority in the family. So in essence, he was going to transfer leadership of the extended family over to Esau. So Esau said, I got it. So he gets his bow, gets his arrow, goes out there. Guess who is in the kitchen listening, making a little bit of Texas barbecue in there, listening to what's happening? Rebecca. She said, Jacob, come here. Get a picture of this. She said, I just heard your dad tell your brother he wants him to go 
make his, kill some game, prepare his favorite meal, and when he brings it back after he eats, he's gonna bless him. I want that blessing for you. So here's what I want you to do. Go to the back, get two goats, kill them, bring them in. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna prepare your dad's favorite meal, and then you're gonna go in there, and you're gonna get the blessing. And Jacob goes, ho, 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 wait a minute. I'm not hairy like Esau. If he touches me, he's gonna know that we're not the same. He goes, I'm smooth. I pray to God for body hair, and he just doesn't give it to me. I cannot grow a mustache to save my life. She goes, don't worry about that. She goes, your brother's got some clothes here. We're gonna put his coat on you, and we're gonna take the hair from that goat, and I'm gonna put it on your hands, and I'm gonna put it on the back of your neck. And then you're gonna take this meal into your dad, and you're gonna get the blessing. He goes, but wait a minute, mom. What if he figures it out and he curses me instead of blessing me? She goes, let the curse fall on me, not on you. You just go do what I told you to do. When you hear this story, how old are you figuring that Jacob is? Did you figure young, teenager, 20, high school, college age? That's how old I thought he was when I read this story. Because at first you kind of feel bad for him. You're like, I mean, this dude's just trying to make his mom happy, right? I mean, how many of you know happy mom, happy house? Mad mom? Run from the house, right? <laughs> Bye, Mom, I'm moving out. He's trying to please his mom. This dude was 76 years old at the time that this is happening. What could he have said at that time to Mom? We're not doing this. I've already deceived Esau once. This is not good. Verse 14. So Jacob went out, got the goats. Rebekah took them, prepared it the way Isaac liked it. She took Isaac's favorite, Esau's favorite clothes that were in the house, gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms, smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. And she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. Pause. That's like going to Texas Roadhouse or Logan's and they bring you that fresh bread with that cinnamon butter. And you're like, oh, Lord, I have no self-control. Bring me three of them. Keep the butter coming. And then when your meal comes, you're like, Bleh. Give me a to-go box. I can't eat. Or like you go to a Mexican restaurant. I've just come to decide that there is no self-control at a Mexican restaurant. You either die eating chips and salsa or you just keep going. Okay? So she brings the meal along with fresh bread. Verse 18. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Verse 20, Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? And look at this. The Lord your God put it in my path. Now he's invoking God in his lie. In his deception, the Lord did it. What does this look like in 2019? You ever been in that friendship or relationship that you knew in your heart and you were convicted in your heart that you were not supposed to be in and you are praying to God to make it work and God cannot bless what he did not ordain? You make a plan and you're like, God, bless this. And God's like, I told you not to do that. Yeah, but you don't see how hot she is, God. I need you to bless this. God, do you see how muscular he is? Have you seen his chest, God? I need him in my life. And God said, no. You don't get to make a plan and then ask me to bless it. You ask me for the plan that is already blessed. Verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless him. Verse 24. But are you really my son Esau, he asked. And look what Jacob replied. Yes, I am. He lied the first time. And then he had an opportunity to make it right. And what did he do again? He lied again. Does this ever feel familiar that you get caught in a lie and so you build another lie to try to cover up that lie until the point that you don't even know what lie you're telling to cover up the previous lie? Yes. To the point where you don't even know anymore what lie you're telling and who you're telling it to? We've all been there. There ain't no judgment here. This is a we sermon, not a you sermon, okay? There ain't no none of that in here, okay? Yeah. 
Verse 25, then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game, let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Pause. Now he's trying to get him drunk. Now he's trying to liquor him up. He's already blind. Now he wants all senses to be gone. But I want you to see something here. How many times did Isaac have to keep saying, come closer? He would, he would get close, and then he would retreat. He'd get close, then he would retreat. Get a picture here. How many times have we messed up and we run from the Father's love because we no longer feel that we're worthy because we've messed up? But yet the Father represents Isaac in saying, come closer, come closer. But yet when we have sin in our life, we tend to do this. Here you go. And I'm going to go over here. Religion says, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. Grace says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. Huge difference. Religion is, I messed up. I've got shame. I've got guilt. I've got condemnation. I've done all these things. I'm a Christian. I'm a youth leader. I'm a worship leader. And I messed up big time. What are people going to think? What people have thought in relation to what God says about us is why there's such a separation in the church. So worried about what the people in the four walls are going to think about us rather than what God says about us and calls us accepted and into the beloved. So you see Jacob retreating. Do you think he is calm at this moment? Uh Uh-uh. Heart is racing, sweating, nervous, hears any little noise, and he's like, oh, why? Guilty conscience, right? So Jacob took the food. Verse 26, and Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. Jacob went over and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and blessed him. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. If my dad smelt me in the outdoors, he's like, son, were you lost? Did you run out of gas in your car? Why do you smell like that? I'm like, quit judging me, dad, okay? Trying to be a man. So, verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. Verse 32. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn, Esau, Chewbacca. (laughs) Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. I want you to get a picture of this. How many of you have ever been so angry that you shake? You ever been so angry that you cry that you can't even get words out? You are just, you're so mad that you can't even get a word out. How many of you know when someone is that angry, it is best to shut up, leave a gift, and back away? I love you. You're beautiful. Okay? Isaac is trembling mad. Then who served me wild game? I already ate it, blessed it just before you came, and yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. My father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here, and he tricked me, and he has taken away your blessing. No wonder his name is Jacob. Remember? Deceiver. For he has now cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn. Now he stole my blessing. Haven't you saved even one blessing for me? From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. This sounds like a Lifetime movie, doesn't it? Cue the dramatic music. Dun, dun, dun. But this is real. Esau got duped twice by his younger brother. So the mom heard of it. She said, Jacob, here's what you need to do. Remember, Jacob's mama's boy. He said, you got to get out of here. You got to leave the country. I want you to go to your uncle's house. I'm going to tell your dad you're single. You're going to go look for a girlfriend. You're going to go look for a wife. And when your brother has calmed down, then I will send for you to come back. She goes, I don't want to lose both my sons in the same day. He said, okay. So he left. Statement up on the screen. It's possible to get what you want and not want what you got when you get it the wrong way. It's possible to get what you want and not want what you got when you get it the wrong way. And family, let me tell you something with all the love in my heart. God cannot bless who we pretend to be. He cannot bless who we pretend to be. 
We can be so good at pretending to be somebody else that not even the people closest to you can tell the difference. You know how I know that? You ever watch the news and sometimes something horrific happens and they go, he seems so nice. Always paid his taxes, always petted my dog, and then all of a sudden show up on the news pretending to be someone else. The question is, what covering and smell have we put on to try to be someone else or trick someone into thinking that we're something that we're not? We can fool Isaac, but you can't fool God and you can't fool yourself. See, Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. So if Jacob would have waited and been patient, he too would have been blessed. But he lied, cheated, manipulated, and stole to get what he wanted. So guess what he had to do for the rest of his life to keep it? Lie, cheat, manipulate, and steal. But as with any deceiver, a deceiver will always meet his match. And Jacob met that in the form of his uncle. When he showed up, he sees this hot young thing named Rachel. He's like, hey, hey, who's that? He said, that's Rachel. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to marry her. This is going to happen. Laban goes, for sure, man. You can marry her. All you got to do is work for me for seven years. Seven years? Dang, fool. I don't even want to wait seven minutes before I return a text. What are you talking about? Okay, seven years it is. And the Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel so much that those seven years felt like days. That's some kind of love right there. And those of you sitting next to your wife, you're like, oh, I'd work seven years for her. Good answer, bro. Good answer. Okay? So the time came for him to marry Rachel. Laban got him drunk. Sound familiar? And when he woke up after doing what married people do on their honeymoon, he woke up next to a woman, but it wasn't Rachel. It was her sister, Leah. And the Bible says that Leah had weak eyes. Translation, she had a nice personality. <laughs> he looked over. He's like, oh, Laban, what the heck? I wanted Rachel. I woke up next to Cousin It. What are you doing, bro? He's like, well, I didn't tell you this the first time, but we don't let the younger sister marry before the older sister. Tell you what, you can have Rachel. You got to wait a week, though, but you can have her, but then you got to work for me another seven years. I said, okay. So he worked for, for 14 years for Rachel, then worked for him another six-plus years. So after this, Jacob has been so blessed. His, his fields, his flocks are huge, but it was time to go home. He said, I got to make peace with my brother. But he was so scared because you got to remember, what did Esau want to do with him? Kill him. There was a wanted poster in the post office in Canaan back then. There's a picture of Jacob, wanted by Chewbacca, reward, pieces of my hair, whatever the case might be. I'll take you hunting. The reward is a hunting trip led by Chewbacca, the Wookiee baby. But he wants him dead. So Jacob goes, I got to go home. I don't know what my brother's going to do to me. I'm going to send a gift ahead of him. I'll come in peace and see what he does. Esau's like, nope, I want to kill him. So in Genesis chapter 32, this is where we are now. Same book, Genesis 32. He's about to go and meet Esau. And now we're in verse 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, whole nother message, his two servant wives, another message, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24, this left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. So I want you to think about this. It's nighttime. Jacob has left everything. He has sent everything away from him, all his possessions, all his family. It's just him. And a man comes. And he begins to wrestle with them at night. It says they would wrestle until the dawn would break. Do you know how many hours that is? That's like 10 to 12 hours of wrestling. Forget that. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. So they're wrestling, and then he goes, and now... He looks like this. How old was Jacob when he stole the blessing? 76. 
He was on the run for 21 years. How old is he now? Yeah, my hip would go out too if I was 97 and wrestling with a guy for 10 hours. Okay? Knocked it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go. Look at this. Sound familiar? Until you bless me. And this is the point and the message that it gets really personal. Then the man said, what is your name? Does this question sound familiar to Jacob? He was asked this same question 21 years ago. What did he do 21 years ago? He lied. He deceived. He cheated. He got what he wanted, but not the way he needed to get it. So now the man says, who are you? And look what happened 21 years later. Look at his answer. Jacob. My name is Jacob. Verse 28. Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God, with men, and have won. Jacob said, please tell me your name. And the man said, why do you want to know my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. Do you know what Israel means? Triumphant with God. Why did it take 21 years for Jacob to finally get blessed the right way? Because he finally owned who he was. God's blessing will come to you when you own who you are. What I mean is your flaws, your tendencies, your weaknesses, your insecurities, where you fall short. God is not surprised by your personality. Do you know why? He gave it to you. God is not interested in changing your personality. He's interested in shifting your purpose. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You ever heard of a disciple named Peter? When Jesus met this loud-mouthed fisherman would fight you at the drop of a hat, he looked at him and said, if I can build a relationship with him, if I can put my word in him, he's a loud-mouthed, he's stubborn, and he's hard-headed. When you pick up Peter's story in the book of Acts, his personality hadn't changed one bit, but his purpose had. Before he was fighting for himself, now he was fighting for the kingdom. So Jacob finally owned who he was. I'm Jacob, the deceiver. And because you finally owned it, I've got something I've been waiting to give you your entire life. But I needed you to own up to who you were. This is so personal for me because like I told you, I'm 37. For the first 35 and a half years of my life, I lived like Jacob. I grew up in church. Gave my life to Jesus when I was nine years old. Two weeks later, filled with the Holy Spirit at a home Bible study. Speaking in tongues. If you don't know what that means, it sounds weird, but it's pretty cool. It's a direct line connection with God. Nine years old. At 12 years old, I stood up and I preached my very first message. 12 years old. Been doing this for 25 years. 18, got my first opportunity to go preach on TV. 21, did it at 21, did it again. All throughout my 20s, I traveled all over preaching the gospel wherever the doors would open. Became a youth pastor afterwards. But here is the deception that sometimes we get into in church. That because we volunteer, because we're on the worship team, because we preach, we automatically think that our lives are aligned with the word of God, but not necessarily so. We can still have hidden things in our life. We can still have secret sin in our life. In 2016, it was my greatest professional year that I've ever had. I got award after award after award. I was featured on the cover of Permian Basin Oil and Gas Magazine. They did a four-page feature on me right on the cover, okay? Youngest one ever. I was offered my own radio show and podcast. It's been on the air now for three years. It's on Spotify and podcast. It's been heard in 50 countries around the world now. Write a column for the newspaper. Get to travel and do some pretty cool things. But in 2017, my world came crashing down. And I fell into the deepest depression and anxiety that I have ever known. I would sit in a dark house and I did not want to leave. I would cry all the time. I'd be at Starbucks, break down. Gas station, break down. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to be around anything. And while I say this, church, we have got to do a better job as a body of believers of accepting people who deal with mental issues such as depression and worry and anxiety and stop telling people, just get over it. It's just in your head. That's exactly where it is. That's exactly where it is. 
Prayer is amazing, and we're going to pray here in just a moment. All things begin and end with prayer, but in the middle there are doctors and counselors and therapists. Quit being ashamed to go get help and thinking that just listening to Caleb every single day is going to solve the problem. They're probably still playing, I can only imagine, from 1998. God bless you. They made a movie off of it. I cried in the theater when it came out. But my point was, I had built such a persona that so many of us do that we have it all together. How are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. But I was torn apart on the inside. I could come in and I would raise my hands, but on the inside I was falling apart. I was doing things behind the scenes that I had no business doing, but I kept preaching and I kept telling myself, but God is moving. I must be okay. And then my world fell apart to the point that I asked, I begged my boss to fire me because I couldn't get it together. But thank God he's a godly man and he's like, I'm not gonna fire you. I'm with you. You're gonna get through this. I lost people, folks. I lost friends. I lost people who no longer knew how to deal with me because for the first time I was being real. It was not fake anymore. Because see, a lot of times we fear intimacy because if we let people too close, they'll see the real us. We want them to fall in love with our representative and not see us who, for we really are. This was Jacob. He lived the lie. But when he finally owned it, God changed his life. This is why I love the story. It says that when Jacob was alone in the camp, it's exactly how I was. Folks, I remember one time I was in my car in Hobbs, New Mexico, the metropolis, driving around there, and I was mad. Have you ever been in your car angry, crying? Have you ever been in your car having conversations with people in your mind that you just can't wait to see them so you can give them a piece of your mind, but really you're never going to tell them anything? (laughs) I'm driving. I can tell you exactly where I was in the city. And I remember crying out to God. Some of the best prayers I ever prayed were during that time because it wasn't practiced. It wasn't rehearsed. It just came from a deep, guttural place of crying out to God. And I said, God, where is everybody? I have all these fans that people come and hear me speak. They listen to the show. They read what I do and they follow. Where are they? Where are they at, God? And I was mad. You ever been that kind of mad where spits everywhere? You got snot. You're crying and your voice is just raw. Me. I said, God, where are you at? Where are all the people? Maybe you've been there before. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me, not in an audible voice. It didn't come through Sirius XM, but it was an impression in my heart. He said, Steve, I've sent people to you but you always say you're fine. Why would they keep coming back? Has that ever been you? Someone comes across and says, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Liar. It's okay to not be okay, family. 2 Corinthians says, you know, that's one, one of those great verses that said, for in when we are weak, he is strong. My grace is sufficient for you. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, Steve, how can I be strong for you when you always pretend to be strong? How can you, how can I be strong for you when you always pretend to be strong? So finally, what I love about this is Jacob thought he was going to the river that night to make peace with Esau, but God brought him to the river to make peace with himself. Jacob knew who God was, but his entire life, he never knew who he was. And he showed him who he was that night. Folks, a situation that brings humility is better than an achievement that triggers arrogance. It's not always in your successes, but often in your struggles that God will show you who you are and who he is. The biggest battles we'll ever fight won't be against who or what stands before us, but what lives within us. And sometimes it takes getting everything you wanted to recognize it's not what you needed. Final thing I want to share with you, if someone wants to get on the keyboard and make me sound extra spiritual, I would really appreciate it. (laughs) Exodus chapter 3, 430 years after Abraham and Isaac had passed on, the sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. And a man named Moses, you might have heard of him that God spoke to him because the nation of Israel was in captivity under Pharaoh's rule in the the land of Egypt. He spoke to Moses. He said, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to walk up to that man and I want you to say, let my people go. And Moses began to do what all of us seem to do when God tells us to do something and make excuses. He's like, no, you don't understand. 
I'm 80 years old. I got a stutter. I killed a man 40 years ago. I buried him in the desert. You don't get it. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 says, But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What's his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I used to preach that verse all the time. And then I would stop right there because it sounds real preachy. You'd be like, what does that mean? I am your healing. I am your peace. I am your strength. I am your joy. I am your sufficiency. Is he? Of course he is. But when I went through what I went through, I began to keep reading beyond verse 14. Verse 15 said, God replied, also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of, shouldn't that say Israel? Didn't he change his name? Why throughout the Bible do we still see him referred to as Jacob as much as Israel? We're both Jacob and Israel at the same time. We're Jacob because we still struggle with stupid stuff. But we are Israel because God himself has spoken victory over us. And true fulfillment is found in accepting both of those realities at the same time. So here's what I want you to understand, family. Not only is he the God of your successes, he's your God in defeats. He's your God at the top of the mountain just as much as at the God at the bottom of the valley. He's your God when you're crushing it at life just as much as he's your God when life is crushing you. When you are feeling yourself, he's God. When you're not, he's still God. When you are soaring at work or versus when you just got fired. When you are down in the dumps versus you are lifting someone else up, he is still God. He's the God of Israel and he's the God of Jacob. Even when you don't feel like a Christian is when he loves you the most. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So my challenge to us this morning is this. You inspire others not by being perfect, but by how you deal with your imperfections. Your stories of success make an impression, but your stories of failure, they make an impact. Don't be afraid to share your story because people need to hear what you got to say. You may never stand in a pulpit and wear a mic. That's okay. Your life, just like Alex talked about how you live, is evidence of the God in your life. Perhaps you've been in here and you've been living a lie. Only you know what that is. You say, Steve, I know it's not an accident that I came to see some skinny Mason come in from New Mexico. What's a Mason? A Mexican who could pass for Asian. (laughs) Who comes from New Mexico who has a New York Yankees license plate on the front of his car. That's dangerous in the deep heart of Texas over here. But I came 400 miles to tell you something. God loves you. You are not your mistakes. The thing that you told yourself you'd never do and you felt tempted to and you did it, God's love is bigger. God's grace is bigger. You do not have to be defined by your mistake. You don't have to be defined by that pregnancy. You don't have to be defined by that divorce. You don't have to be defined by that firing. You can be defined by the one who paid the price 2,000 years ago as a son and daughter of the Most High God. And I can tell you right now in the fullness of my heart because I am living proof of it, it took me 37 years to be able to preach this message. Because for the first part of my life, I never would have told you how I struggled. I never would have told you where I fell short because I was taught differently. I was taught to believe that life was black and white. But as I've grown older, I find that there's so much gray. And it's in that gray that I found grace. If you're in the gray, there's grace for you. If you fall short, God is there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Isn't it time to quit trying to be Esau and live as Jacob? Own it. Let him make up for your deficiencies. This is the final thing I want to show you. I want you to pretend. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible refers to us as jars of clay. If you've ever been listening to Christian music over 25 years, that's where the namesake comes from. Imagine this is you, a jar of clay. How many times in church have we fallen? And because of that jar, we we break and we have cracks, but we wanna go get silly putty and we wanna cover up those cracks. 
Because God forbid that anyone know that we struggle. God forbid anyone know that we fell short. God forbid that we don't have it all together. I'd rather be a man looking vulnerable on my knees than a man standing on my feet pretending like I don't struggle. So you drop that jar of clay and you're just trying to hide it from everyone. Be like, no, I can't let anyone see me like this. My encouragement to you is to put the silly putty away and let the light of Jesus inside of you shine through those cracks to be a testimony of how he saved you, set you free, delivered you, and brought you back from the brink of depression. When you felt like there was no more hope, folks, I came here to tell you there is hope. Don't you give up hope. It might seem dark now, but the night is darkest right before the morning light comes. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. I am so thankful that I had people around me who did not give up on me when I had given up on myself. I told the Lord, I said, I can't preach anymore. I'm so broken. What am I going to tell people? And I told my church, I said, don't schedule me for anything. I don't want to be on stage. I need to heal. I said, I need to go on injured reserve. You know what injured reserve is in sports? You're not off the team, but you go get help and you go get healing so you can come back and contribute to the team. I said, God, I don't know if I ever should preach again or could or would. But I told Pastor Eric last night, in May of 2018, I got a call from a city 70 miles west of where I live. And it was a high school principal that said, our city has never had a baccalaureate service before graduation, ever. I was like, dang, y'all a godless city over there, okay. She said, I know a superintendent that knows I'm doing this. And she goes, I, she told me you would be a fool if you don't reach out to Steve Saucita to be your speaker. So she called me and I held it together on the phone. And when I hung up, I got on my knees and I thank God because I got to experience what Romans 11:29 was, that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. He hadn't given up on me. But it, I had to stand and go, I'm Jacob. God, can you use me even with all of my flaws, my weaknesses and my tendencies, where I fall short and how I've messed up? And I am proud to say in the past nine months that God has opened more doors in nine months than he has in 36 years. Not because of me, because I'm awesome. God's blessing has so much more to do with him than it does me. But I owned it. In admitting that you don't feel strong, that's when you show true strength. In being openly vulnerable, you show true courage. The truth and weakness is this. If you own it, you can surpass it. But if you hide it, it owns you. It'll own you like a cancer. But if you own it and put it out in the light, you strip it of its power. That doesn't mean you got to go post it on social media. But transparency is allowing someone to see inside of you. Vulnerability is allowing someone to see inside of you and to speak truth into your life. There's a difference. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've given what you've given me. I delivered it with the fullness of my heart. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, if there is anyone in this room under the sound of my voice or watching my live stream, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You've never said, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You're not here by accident, friend. You're here to have an encounter with the creator of the universe. If that person is you, on the count of three, you say, Steve, it's time for me to accept Jesus. Without any hesitation, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. I see that hand. You can put it down. In a moment of solidarity, church family, would you pray this out loud with the one who raised their hand? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am now 
a part of the family of God. I'm no longer separated from you, but I'm drawn back to you. I'm now your child. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. In Jesus' name. One more thing before I close. If you would say, Steve, this message is for me. This was for me. I've been running. I've been hiding. I've been manipulating. I've been deceiving. More so than other people, I've been deceiving myself. But God brought me to the river today to make peace with myself. Without any hesitation, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. No hesitation. Thank you for being bold. This takes guts. Anyone else that you know you should be standing, don't you let that shame get the better of you. Don't you let that guilt get the better of you. Shame was nailed to the cross. Not shame on you, shame off of you. In Jesus' name. With everyone standing, church, right where you are, just seated, just stretch your hands out to the people that are standing that took that bold faith, that bold step. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see their hearts like we don't. Father, I thank you that you brought them here not to hear me, but to hear a message from you. That you meet us right where you are, right where we are, but you don't leave us there. You empower us to live in grace, to live in truth. Father, I thank you for my friends that are standing. I thank you, Lord, that you would begin to bring them the deliverance that they so badly seek. I thank you that you would bring people across their path who can be true confidants, where they can be transparent and vulnerable with. And Holy Spirit, in those moments of despair, where they feel like all hope is lost, I thank you that you pierce through the darkness and you wrap your arms of light and of love around them to remind them that they have a purpose, that they are not an accident, and that what they have done does not have to define them, but are defined by your Son. We honor you, Lord, and we thank you, for it is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And everyone in agreement said, can we give Jesus a mighty clap this morning? Thank you so much this morning. I want to say thank you to Pastor Eric and Heather. I hope you realize how amazing your pastors are. I think very, 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 very highly of them. Seven years ago, I remember I made a decision that changed the course and the trajectory of my life. And I felt like I was spinning out of control. Pastor Eric said, come and spend a little time with me. And I spent time with Eric and Heather in their house, slept on that couch, got encouraged, got inspired and more than anything was reminded that I was loved. You guys are loved here. You guys have phenomenal pastors. I don't know if this is the last time I see you. I hope it's not, but if it is, we'll rejoice together in heaven. Thank you guys so very much. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.